Hello and welcome to the Just a Tumor Rubbers podcast, the podcast about living with and without cancer and navigating life's everyday struggles. <laughs> oh, it's still trying to wing it when we when we when we, when we, when we come back. <laughs> really tongue-tied here. Really struggling with this. Um, I'm Ed, a student journalist. I'm Linda, um, order of five with metastatic bowel cancer. So you can see that the break didn't really help us. Jeez, we've forgotten everything. <laughs> I didn't even remember. I really should have pulled that script up. Really struggled there with that. Because it just rolled off your tongue the first time. Mm-hmm. And then the, once you step away from me, you're like, oh, marbles. And I was trying to think about it. I was like, well, I remember this. I remember this. Yeah. I just didn't remember. No, until you have to say it. Um, yeah, so we've had two month break and we're back now. Yeah. Season two. That's what this is. I know. It's, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, season two. Um... And it feels like we've been away for so like so long. It feels like so much longer. But summer holidays, your life just runs away with you, doesn't it? And before you know it, here we are. Yeah, and lots of, actually lots has changed. Like things, yeah. things have changed so, in the past yeah. ten months. Um, it's like it's amazing how things can change in a week, though. Do you know that's one thing I've learned over the last three months is how life can change weekly. Like you just kick the ball down the road every week, and something different comes your way. Like yeah, and this week's been this week's been a fair mad week. Like it is. It's been there's been a lot. Really tough week. That's happened. Yeah, yeah. Like for me. Do, do you want to say how your week was or do you want me to go first? I don't mind. Uh, like my week's been grand in terms of like, look, it's been the normal kind of stuff in terms of work and stuff like that. But then I just feel like it's been very like, it's been, just been a lot of kind of bad news in a way or not. Yeah. Not even that it's been bad news, but like a lot of not so great news. Queen died. The queen died, yeah. Um, yeah, there's been, a, to be fair, the week has been, there's been a lot of death in the week, which is a bit... Yeah. Sadness, a yeah. lot of sadness. I would the word I use sadness, you know. Um, like my week, I suppose, started. Jesus, a lot has changed for me over the last two and a half months, but in the last week, so I started a new chemotherapy. And that on Friday, last Friday, I had my not, not yesterday, last Friday, I had my second round because my first round, I was so unwell that it took me a month to have my second one. And mm-hmm. um, I ended up in hospital with chronic diarrhea, really bad. Um, and then after that, then I got really bad constipation. Look, it's bowel cancer, it's one or the other. You're either shitting too much, or you can't shit. There's no happy medium, but anyway. Um, so anyway, I went back on chemo on Friday and, and it's called Fall Fiery. Now I can't, if you Google Fall Fiery, it'll tell you the chemo, the specific chemo you have in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Intercuron or something it's called. Now I know that's wrong, but it sounds something like that. And you have that for an hour and a half and you come home then with the pump for the for the weekend. And I've had that pump 14 times now. It doesn't do anything, like it's fine. But the one that I had in the hospital, I had the hour and a half. I thought this is grand. About 45 minutes in, I went into the toilet and I had a fierce diarrhea and I was like, that's come from nowhere. Like I wasn't suffering with it mm. in the morning time or anything. So then when I finished and she disconnected, I said, oh, I need to go to the toilet. And I, I, could, I knew it was diarrhea, like I could feel my stomach. And I went in and it was diarrhea again. And I came out, I'm, not, I'm laughing at me because it's, it was a scary situation. So I said to the nurse, I tried to tell her that I had diarrhea. Mm. 
but I couldn't talk because my tongue was like that, right? Because my tongue was all swollen. Throat was a bit swell, closing up. But I got through the whole chemo. Mm. I'm so sensitive to... I spent my life taking paracetamol. Like, if I take sulfidine, I throw up. Mm. So I'm so sensitive to everything that... That's probably two of the best chemotherapies you can have for bowel cancer. I can't have now. Yeah. So I came. I didn't want to come home for the weekend with the pump, but I did. I was like, I was floored from, like they even gave me because I got I got a slight reaction on the first one, right? So they said on the next one we're going to give you pre meds before your chemo. So before my chemo, I had hydrocortisol, pyritin, and then a normal dose of four steroids and anti-sickness, which you'll always have before your chemo. Mm. So I had that. So I actually had pre-meds to stop the reaction, right? And right at the end, when I got the reaction, the only thing those pre-meds did was stop me breaking out in a full-on rash. But the rest of the stuff came. So the doctor came in anyway and... It took a while now for the swelling on the tongue took ages like to stop. I couldn't. She was like, you're going to bite your tongue. You need to stop talking. Um, and she came in and I didn't want to have the, the pump. But anyway, she said to me, look, I'm going to, your professor is on call for the weekend. I'm going to give him a call because I think if we give you this chemo again, you'll die. They were her words on my kid's life. They were her words. And when I said that to my oncology nurse on Monday, she told me that I didn't have, number one, I didn't have a reaction that I said on the file that I had a tickle in my throat. These fuckers are trying to kill me. <laughs> and I said, look, well, that's what the doctor said to me. And she was so shocked at what I was saying to her. I don't think she even believed that that was the reality. Mm. So I said, look, I've spoke to Prof Gallagher on Friday because I'm having a lot of pain in my in my rectum. Like, cause I don't have, I've got bowel cancer, but it's colorectal because it's in my rectum. Like mm. it's not up in the bowel. And I, and I said, he has said that he's t- considering referring me to Dr. Gillen, this doctor for radiation and that's the plan I don't know about the next chemo but could you she said I'm meeting with him on Wednesday and I'll come back to you anyway we'll go back to that in a minute so I had the chemo on Friday I had the reaction I came home I was floored but I slept really well and then I woke up the next morning and when we did our last podcast uh, my friend Anne Marie and colleague from work she did episode 6 wasn't it yeah. um, she came on and she spoke about her journey with um, her journey with cancer and you know the six years that she had it on and off and what that was like for her and Amory sadly passed away on Saturday morning um, she had took sick um, that week, like last week so she was sick for the week now I wasn't aware that she wasn't well around last week until she passed away massively sad news um, and you know I want to be respectful and not go into too much about um, like Amory what happened or whatever because it isn't my story to tell and her family haven't given me permission to speak about her so I won't but like just a couple of things I was saying to the girls that I worked with like I worked with Amory for nine years and she was always a gentle soul like a really gentle she's a lady like but real gentle soul and I remember our first come not our, one of our first conversations in the canteen and work I was new right and when I'm in a new environment I'm an anxious talker so I'll just keep talking like bullshit like just because I'm so anxious I just need to dull out the silences so obviously I was sitting there I was probably talking about everything and Jaden's 11 now so he would have been about two or three at the time and he was mad into Jake and the Neverland Pirate. Mm. He loved Jake and the Neverland Pirate but he didn't have any of the 
any of the what's it, the stuff like any of the stuff and we were talking in in, in work and at the in the kitchen in the canteen and i was saying how we love jake in the neverland pirate and he wants me to buy him a boat he doesn't have any of the any of the what's the word the stuff whatever the toys. yeah any of the toys and Anne-Marie was saying her little boy who was the same age loved Jake and the Neverland Pirate and we had that conversation and that was it and I come in the next day and there was a Jake and the Neverland Pirate like ship on my desk her son had two so she'd went home and took one obviously had a conversation with her child mm. her son and they gave kindly gave it to Jaden like like who does that you know what I mean that was yeah. so like it was so nice and that's one of my kind of forced memories of Amory and then of you know being a co- colleague for a number of years working on the same team and then me and another girl in the job were quite slim and she came in one day this is only like three four years ago maybe and she was like that's a dress for you and that's a dress for you they don't fit me anymore but they'll fit you and then it was in the dress she gave me was a navy dress with like board cages on it and boards in it and I I, st- I still won't throw it out like it's still up with my wardrobe mm-hmm. but I wore it loads just those nice things that she done like she loaned me our boots for the mountain climb yeah I still have them like yeah. so she said to me about the boots when we did the podcast I said Amory I need to clean them because remember my foot went into the marsh oh yeah and then my foot came out yeah. and the boot didn't and there was muck in it I said Amory I need to just clean them before I give them back to you and she said to me um that that's a, she was like that's great because that's an excuse for us to meet again like yeah um but that unfortunately didn't happen mm. so look the funeral was on Wednesday it was one of the saddest funerals I've ever ever attended mm. the love and like the love people have for had for Amory her friends her family her colleagues like she was really really well loved and like did so much in her 50 years on this earth like mm. she was just such a kind human being loved her boys loved her husband loved her dog Do- Doogie Doogie I don't want to get that wrong no Doogie Doogle maybe yeah she had to I remember she had two dogs and and I remember us having a conversation about I'd got a dog and she was like oh what do you think about and then she got dogs like so you know we were good friends um and she was a great work colleague and it's it's really sad and you know what she was a good support for me in the last year when I was diagnosed you know and it was nice to sit down with Amory and Amory and talk about stuff and you know I the one thing she did say to me that really hit home with me is we went to college to come out of a poverty trap mm. and cancer sent us spiraling right back into that yeah because obviously Amory had to retire I've had to retire mm. you know but look she's a lovely lady you know I'll always kind of you know I, I still find myself thinking about you know conversations we had and like even the music at the funeral just so I just showed what kind of a person she was was like she was lovely with a big heart so that was really sad um but you know what I was lucky and I was well enough to be able to go to the funeral you know and that's that's the thing so yeah sadly like she isn't here anymore and you know it's just it's really sad so I suppose those two things had happened within the week of chemo and then the passing of Anne Marie and then going to the funeral and then um yeah, so it was one of those weeks out where there was a lot of tears. Yeah. It's like I just turn a tap on lately and I just burst in. I cry a lot, you know? Yeah, and like uh, what I'd like to, like I only met Amory once and it was to do this podcast yeah. and she, to be fair, she was such a lovely lady and she was really, I really enjoyed listening to her. I thought she had some really nice stories yeah. and she really, what she loved, she loved. Mm. And I'd like her, like she loved pottery and 
like yeah. the outdoors and stuff like that and she and you could really see that in her that she loved that stuff so I just kind of wanted to for this episode to kind of be dedicated to her in yeah. a way like I think that'd be lovely and as well what we have to remember is when we did that podcast she she was really open with everything and then I, I, you asked her a question about how do you cope I'm not sure the words you used but it, uh, if you listen back to the podcast you'll know exactly what I'm talking about and she rang me I sent her the podcast before it went out and she rang me in a panic going oh my god I should have said like I've got my colleagues and my friends and my family and everybody helps me and supports me and then I've got the Marie Keaton Foundation and the Cancer Society and she was so stressed out that she'd missed out on naming all those people Mm -hmm. who were important to her and she said is there any way we can stick it in somewhere and we couldn't so I suppose it's their opportunity now to say that you know Anne-Marie had a lot of love and a lot of um a lot of care for all of those people who supported her through her journey. You know what? Like, we're not going to say her illness. It was her can- journey with cancer. Mm. And yeah, her colleagues in Springboard, her colleagues in Tusla, all of her close friends, her, the school mammies, her husband, her mm. children, and then the agencies such as the Cancer Society. All of those people made a, made a huge difference in Amory's life. And, you know, I think... She'd really want us to say that today because the opportunity was missed on the day of the podcast. Yeah. You know, and I'll never forget that call. She was frantic going, oh, now I feel so bad. I haven't mentioned all these people and they all helped me. And so I just want to say that that was really important for us to say that, Mm. you know, that she respected and loved so many people and always had a full diary like to meet people you know she used to say oh, i've double booked you know she double booked people because she was so popular yeah so everybody loved her like you know so yeah it would be you know to dedicate this to her and you know i didn't get to meet her husband or our children or our family but i do hope that they are doing okay like i really do you know because it isn't an easy i wouldn't imagine it's an easy time for anybody yeah you know very difficult um yeah so that was that was part of your week and then will we kind of go back a bit and talk about yeah when we took a break because we we originally had taken a break from the podcast um after we'd done our episode with Emer to because you had your treatment had paused mm. they had paused your treatment yeah that was that doesn't feel like it was that long ago but yeah so i had a scan in may wasn't it Look, I'm not going to know the dates or whatever. I had a scan um, and all was great. There was nothing on my liver, etc., etc. But what there was was two tiny one millimeter lesions on one on each lung. Mm. And they were so tiny that my oncologist said that there was nothing. They couldn't uh, biopsy it. They couldn't do any PET scan. You wouldn't see anything. So what he wanted to do was cease treatment for two months, let them grow and come back to the table, have a scan and come back to the table in two months. Now, I spoke to my oncology nurse. When you're in with your oncologist and you're, and you're given news, it, and I walked out with there sobbing, I was on my own, I didn't, I didn't realize I was going to get that news. When you're given news in oncology and you, you take it, I'm a reflector, right? So you could tell me a million things now, but it'll be when I go away, I'm reflecting it, that I then think, what the fuck have I just allowed someone to do or say or whatever, mm. okay? So I left the hospital that day and then about three days later, I spoke to the oncology nurse and I told her, I said, I'm not happy with this. We're on a break for two months to let something grow. Like, this is ridiculous. And she was like, let him know that. And I did. But anyway, um, 
we came up to July, the end of June, I ended up in hospital actually, and I had this pain and they couldn't figure out, was it gastro pain, but they thought it was the heart or whatever. I can't remember because I'm in and out that much like, and the doctor did a bone scan or he did this uh, MRI in my, my spine and he did a CT scan. And the CT scan came up that there was nothing on my liver. So we're talking the 28th of June, which was actually a year to the day that I was diagnosed that I had my colonoscopy. So he said there was nothing on my liver. The, the lesions were still the same on my lung um, and my, my MRI on my spine was absolutely fine. So off I went because um, I was going to Sligo for a week. So now you've got to remember, Ed, this was the 28th of June, right? Mm. And I went to Sligo on the 3rd of July. So this would have been, so we recorded- A couple of the, days later, like. Yeah, so it would have been about two weeks after we yeah. finished up the podcast. Yeah. So anyway, as I was away in, because this will help you know exactly what I'm, where I'm trying to get, right? When I was away in Sligo, my friend had sent me some money to get a massage mm. and another friend had sent me some money to have a seaweed bath, right? Because people are just so kind and want to be, want to do something because they just don't know what to do or what to say. And I rang up the hotel in the hotel and I was like, you know, can I book whatever? And they were like, can you go away and speak to your oncologist? Because we can't give massages because the, no, I'm going to forget the one what they said but anyway you can't have a massage and I rang up my oncology nurse and she was like you actually can't have a massage because it does something to your I'll have to go away and think about the word I can't think of it but you'll have to go no you can't have a massage you can have a seaweed bat and you can have the oh, what's that thing on your feet pedicure no the massage on your on the, underneath your feet Oh, God, I don't know. Right, now I know that and it's gone out of my head, right? So I went off and I had... Oh, and she told me that my cancer markers were 13. Now, this was in the week of the 3rd of July, right? So my cancer markers were 13. I went away and I had the thing on my feet. It's where they massage your... your your under your feet and it, but it pinpoints different parts of your body and it, I've ha- I can't remember what it's called now fuck it's gone out of my head and um, I had that which was lovely it was an hour and I didn't end up having the seaweed bath actually and I felt relaxed for a while or whatever and we left there on the Sunday and I was seeing my oncologist on the Wednesday because I had had my scan but he was away so I had to wait till he came back to, to see him so I rocked in on the Friday with my friend, again, not thinking at, and, and uh, he said to me, your cancer has progressed. So it's now in both of your lungs and there's a spot on your liver. And I was like, just looking at him going, you, like, this is your fault. You know, you left me for two months because you thought you wanted to see something grow in one place. But I couldn't say that to him because obviously I just couldn't like. Mm. And I was getting upset and I said to him, um, anyway, I was trying to take in the news like, and in the process of that, I was thinking reflexology is what I had, right? That was what I had on my feet. If my cancer markers were 13 on the week that I was going to have reflexology and the following week after my reflexology, my cancer had spread to my liver and my cancer markers were 75. Mm. Was it the reflexology, which is a massage that had caused this, mm. right? So that's where I was at in my head because I couldn't think of any other reason how within a week 
I'd gone from having nothing on my liver to now having a spotlight. You know, yeah. does it really grow that quickly? And does your cancer markers go from 13 to 75 mm-hmm. overnight? Like, which a week, a week and a half is overnight. Like, it's not a long period of time. So he said, look, the lesson we've learned, this really pissed me off. The lesson we've learned now is that you can't be off chemotherapy. Like, you just can't. And I said to him, if I don't have any more chemotherapy, what does that look like? And he said, you would live for three to six months. And I said, and he said, what we, and he said, if you decided not to have any more chemotherapy, we would probably do a bypass to a stoma. So I think they just bypass your bowel straight to a stoma back. To obviously to stop the pain, yeah. And I said, and I have to be very mindful about this podcast because I've got kids that I don't want to hear this, you know. Yeah. Um. What he look? I suppose the prognosis with with chemo isn't good either. Mm. So um, it's not long, but you know, he said to me, I've told people two years before, and they're still here in seven. So I have to keep hold of that hope, you know. Yeah. Um, so my whole life. So my whole life turned upside down in a matter of like minutes, you know, and it's very hard to stay positive. You know, people say, oh, don't lose that, that fun or it's hard, Ed, you know, mm. like it's really fucking hard. Um, and did you, did, have you, did you ever voice the, the whole idea of like your anger at the oncologist that year no and I should but I did say to him I should have never been left on on a push and pump for six for seven rounds without mm. any other chemotherapy because a push and pump a five FU push and pump works in combination with a with a with a with a sorry with a chemo like Falfox or Falfiry so Falfox is oxaliplatin oh so because you weren't having that because you had the allergic reaction they were just giving you the push and they were pump. just giving me the push and pump which is the push they push it into your arm mm. really quickly and then they give you the pump for the weekend but I wasn't having oxaliplatin because I was allergic to it and they gave me seven of them with no other chemotherapy combination so obviously it stopped working obviously my cancer markers had started growing because I wasn't fucking having what I should have been having mm. and like what I've learned over the last few weeks is the nurses in the hospital are phenomenal I'm, I'm not going to say I'm bad about them they worked their asses off Eddie if you got a day placement in there you'd be like Jesus Christ these girls their ass don't touch the touch a chair like they don't but then there's like you know the bits where I feel as a stage four patient that they give up on you way too quickly. Yeah. Oncology, the doctors, not the nurses. I feel like I'm down the pecking line because I'm stage four, mm. you know, and, I, and I'm not as important as someone who's stage one and two because they can have an operation and they can be fully cured. And that's great. Like, that's great. Mm. But I'm a human being as well, and I need someone to like. I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm involved in like different groups, and I have the podcast, and I'm not an idiot. I'm quite educated, and I see so many people in my position in the Royal Marsden and in other hospitals in this country who are being offered liver resections, lung resections, bowel resections. I got a liver resection, and now because it's in my lungs, I'm just fucking trying to decide and told chemo forever. You'd probably be dead in two years. Mm-hmm. Like, where's the, where's the being treated like a human in that? You know, like, and I can say that to my oncologist. They think he gives a shit. He couldn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And I do like the guy. 
But at the same time, I feel really let down, mm. really let down. I've got babies. Like, I'd love the oncology doctors to come and sit in my house and have dinner with my family and then go back to the fucking MDT meeting and say, okay, what can we do for this patient? And do that with every other stage four patient. Mm. Because behind me, there's a whole army of people who need me. And they don't see that. They just see me coming in going, oh, our bell's causing her a bit of agony. Now it's in our lungs. And you can hear it's in my lungs, Eddie. You can hear it when I talk. This yeah. is how I'm talking now because of my lungs. Um, I feel I feel let down. So look, I had a conversation with him on Friday about how the pain in my bowel is so, I swore and everything. Like I was like, the fucking pain in my arse. And he was just looking at me. And he said to me, Linda, you keep me on my toes. I was like, you've no idea that I'm feeling the pain I felt when I, before I was diagnosed, it's torture. Like you've no idea. So now the plan is that I'm going to have five sessions of radiation. Mm. So I'm going to meet the radiation doctor on Tuesday morning. I have to drink loads of water today, tomorrow and Monday, two liters a day. I'm not allowed to have alcohol or sugar. Um, I will meet the oncologist, meet the, I don't know what, the, I don't know what, I've never had radiation, so I don't know what to call the guy. Mm. He's a radiation doctor or whatever. I'm going to meet him um, and then they're going to do a scan to check exactly where they mark because they tattoo you. No, they don't obviously tattoo you, but they do tattoo you because when they mark you with a marker to show where they're going to laser, mm. that marker never comes off. Like So yeah. mine is my pelvis and my rectum. I think I'm not going to be showing anyone my rectum after I get a <laughs> tattoo on it. But you know what I mean? And then they'll do, it's depending on the size of my tumor because no one's ever told me how big my tumor is in my rectum. Mm. I don't know. But depending on how big it is, they'll be able to determine where exactly they're going to blast. Yeah. And my oncology nurse said that it's five five sessions. So it'll be a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then it'll be done. And I'll have no chemo because you can't. She said, we won't do both together. So they, they haven't discharged me, but they won't see me now until I'm finished with radiation. And then I'll give her a call and go back. And then we, she said, Linda, I don't know what we're going to do. Like the reactions, we have to go back to the drawing board and figure out what's the next chemo for me like what are we going to do so you've had the new chemo that they Fall put you fiery, on. you've yeah. had two of those only two of those and two reactions and two reactions yeah. on both so really but that's not it's that. not no it's not an option but what i will say is my forced one like i was sick for four weeks like ed my white blood cells were were low i was sick as a dog and then i had my second one on friday got the reaction but i've done good this week like mm. i haven't been really sick to board like I've like I've winged it for a whole week. Monday I was a bit like I took the kids to school and I was a bit shaky. Mm. But I actually did really well this week. So I think if I hadn't had a reaction, this chemo could have been a good chemo. Yeah. You know, and and I remember Katie when was saying to me, you respond really well to chemotherapy. Mm. If my body didn't just reject the second thing. Yeah. You know? Um I'm not sure if there's any other update, but that's that's where we're at. Like the scan I'll get on Tuesday now, unless I'm full of water, they won't do it. Like, so I have to really like, like drink, drink so much water and that will show them. So I don't know. I, I think the plan is just to shoot the tumor on my rectum, mm. which means then I won't be having any treatment on my lung or my liver. Mm. And I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. Do you know? So uh, we just have to see what happens there. But like, I'm not going to let them give up on me that easy. Like, you know, there's clinical trials, there's other chemotherapies, there's so much more to, 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 to be done. But look, 
but the one thing I will say is the nurses are phenomenal. I, I have nothing bad to say about them and I won't, but I just wish, wish the oncologists gave us more than five minutes of their time instead of just taking a few notes and letting us off because their bloods are good and off you go. But where's the humanistic part of it like? Yeah. You know? Um, and I like Prof Gallagher, I do, but I find he's let me down a bit. Mm. And I find because I'm stage four, they give up on you a little bit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, it's frustrating. It is. It's 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 it's, it's heartbreaking. Like it's really like it's. Do you know what? The hardest thing for me over the last month and a half was having to retire from work. Yeah, you were. You had been saying that. You said that that's really difficult. That was really difficult for you. Mm. And you, I didn't have a choice. Like because you spent so long trying to get that job. Oh, you know, I loved my job. Um, yeah, maybe a bit, um, maybe a bit too much, you know? Yeah. But like the fact that I could help people to make changes in their lives, I loved that. Like, mm. absolutely loved it. And now I've retired, like I'm fucking retired at 45. Mm. You know, I, I miss my colleagues, I miss my work, I miss my brain being stimulated. And now I have to find other things to keep me occupied, you know? Um, not that I don't have enough to be doing, but uh, I'm heartbroken about retirement heartbro- absolutely heartbroken I don't know when the acceptance of that will come yeah. but I, I'm still not there like you know it will come at some point I'm not sure it's only been two yeah. weeks and I don't want to sound really like a negative Nelly my life has changed again like this fucking journey just changes every couple of weeks and I want to try keep a bit of positivity but sometimes that's just hard you know yeah no, it's hard it to like- do that you can't look. You can't be positive one hundred percent of the time, no. um, and that doesn't happen when you don't have an illness. But then when no, you have an illness, it, it's amplified because you're so. Because it's just constant. Like there's no consistency, but no. it. it's just always changing, and you just kind of have to. Like you, you're gonna now need to find a way to kind of cope with everything. You get through the day to day because yeah. you don't have your job now to do that, and mm. you kind of need to find, like you said, you're not stimulated anymore mentally so you need to find something that's yeah. going to maybe do that for you and like I have the book half written and I've put it in the drawer and I said this before and I haven't taken it out of take sorry I haven't taken it out of the drawer but that's one thing I want to focus on mm. um, and then just like little other little bits now Mason is still he's junior infants now so the last last child has gone to school mm. and he's junior infants but until the 16th he's until 12 and then you go into half one once he's into half one you have a bit more time in the morning and then I can figure out like what I what I will and won't what I will and will not do. But the one thing I will say is I don't know if this is mind over matter, right? But as soon as my oncologist said to me, 18 months to two years, I generally feel more unwell now than I did a year ago, than I did six months ago, mm-hmm. than I did three months ago. Like I feel sick. Yeah. You know, like I feel like I'm a sick person. And why do you think that is though? Maybe I should, maybe I didn't need to hear that news. Yeah. Maybe I, I, and I don't like, you know, and my friend turned around to him and said, so is this a maintenance program? And he said, no, this is therapeutic, you know? And then I, we went into a room to talk to our oncology nurse about the new chemo. And I said to her, like, she said to me, you're very stable stage four, Mm. you know, but if you're very stable stage four, why would someone tell you that? 
Yeah, I suppose they do have a duty of care to. And he said, "Look, I, he said I have to tell you this." He said, "But some people would still be sitting here in seven years. Like you just don't know." But he did advise that I didn't work. He said, "Between physically and psychologically, it wouldn't be in my best interest." And then my oncology nurses, no, hundred percent said no. Mm. You know, don't work. But I just, do you know what, Ed? I think it's unfair that as a system and as a health system and whatever else that we as the patient as the person with the cancer who knows their bodies better than anybody else isn't allowed to sit in on their own ndt meetings and hear what's been said mm. and then turn up for your appointment and get a synopsis of what's been discussed it's interesting that they don't let you sit in yeah. what? i don't what? know but like why can't prof gallagher tell me how big my tumor is why can't i why don't i have the right to know that like i've considered going to freedom of information to get my file because mm. there's lots of stuff they're not telling me yeah i don't even know how many of my lymph nodes have cancer they've never once said to me i've one lymph node not even one lymph node mm-hmm. i should know that information like, yeah you know but mm-hmm. then when i go in there i get so flustered that i forget to ask or i'm looked at like i'm thick would it would it help if you wrote down a list of questions before mm-hmm. you went in and just gave them the list and said i want you to answer those you know what I have to be honest you always go into your oncologist feeling like they just want to get you in and out like really mm. you know and and respectfully they should give you the time it's not my fault that there's 99 other people sitting in the fucking waiting room on a Friday morning that's down to a system that's so crap and needs working on that's not my problem mm. that 99 other people as much as I feel for them but I'm that one person who needs to know about my my um treatment mm. what's best for me what i should do etc 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 i respectfully there's 99 other people out there but get a system going where you have two clinics or you get a bigger clinic mm. you know because we're all slightly fallen somewhere yeah. within our treatment and it's interesting you say that actually because the the one time i went to the hospital with you yeah. uh, when we were making the little video and we I actually went in to with you, yeah, with, to right. your oncologist, and it was a very quick. It was very like it was. I'd say bang, it bang, wasn't bang. even five minutes. Are you feeling well? Yeah, your bloods are good. Yeah, you haven't chemo today. Yeah, I'll be up. I think it, the only reason that was prolonged was because you asked about a Going letter to back fly, to walk, or was it? No, it was because it was before Keaton's wedding. Oh, so, it was so a you letter had to fly. Yeah, that's you wanted right, a letter yeah. to fly for that's your medications right. or something for my my injections. Oh, that for your injections, yeah. yeah, that I could take them on the plane, mm. and it was okay for me to fly. That's right. Um, um, and so that was the only reason that yeah. meeting was prolonged. And I don't think that we're human beings, no matter where you human beings first, the cancer comes, the cancer comes with that. But like, you know, these people have been through, like, they must have some minds, some brains, you know, been through the system of training to be oncology and learn all about cancer and know everything. But be fucking mindful and respectful of the patient too, because mm. we are human. Number one, you've stripped us of you've stripped us of having anyone with us unless you want to give us bad news. We have to have our chemo on our own. It's an absolute farce that the the Marsden in England are now now allowing people to bring someone and we're still not allowed to have anyone walk through that door with us. It's an absolute living disgrace. And is that still due to obviously a pandemic? Yeah, like um, imagine pandemic. being a stage four cancer patient, been told A, B, C and D and then told to go in and have your chemo on your own after hearing all that. They don't give a fiddle of this fuck. I'm telling you now we are a number. Mm-hmm. We are a number. When I was in hospital, I'm probably ranting now, but I deserve it. Um, I was in hospital just before we went to Sligo 
I think that was the last time I was in or after. No, it wasn't. It was a few weeks ago when I nearly died of the cold in A&E. Remember, I was there for 48 hours, 24 hours. And on my curtain and on the back of my bed said uh, bed number 20. And I heard a nurse say to somebody, yeah, bed number 20. So, and then somebody said to me, that's for confidentiality, GDPR. I said, that's a load of bollocks because when they're giving out their medication, they're shouting all over the world and mm-hmm. everyone can hear what everyone's doing. So that's not true about GDPR and, and uh, data protection. I don't believe that for a minute. I believe in a hospital, it's easier for them to say, sorry, bed 20 than it is to try and remember my name. Yeah. You know, and that's, I could be wrong and people could fire whatever at me, but that's in the last two and a half months that's what i've experienced you know and i've probably rambled on and got a little bit angry there ed but it's been a tough time yeah it's been a really tough time it's been really scary too to be told that those kind of things at 45 with little babies is look i'm not the first person to hear that news and i'm not going to be the last one but it's really hard really really hard and it hits you so you know you find yourself a lot in your thoughts and about what if this happened and and then you don't you don't ever know when it's going to happen like yeah and it's interesting like because you because over the podcast we kind of talked about how you had a plan and then everything kept changing and kept changing and kept changing and then Mm. just and i said to sorry i said to prof gallagher today he gave me the news about uh it spreading to my liver I said, what's the story with the my, like my plan was to have radiation and then have my bowel surgery. What, why can't I, what's your, this is where my words actually, because I remember him looking up at me. What's your rationale for not doing the bowel surgery? And his words back to me were, what's the point? He was like, it's spread now. Like it's left your bowel. It's in other places. There's no point. Mm. What would the point be putting you through such a traumatic um, operation like? So that was his answer. And it's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult when you, because you, you, we were talking about how mm-hmm. things change in a week. And we were talking about how this week was kind of a bit mad, but even it was a whole week. Like you went to Sligo, you had a scan, you went to Sligo, you came back. And my cancer markers were 75. Like, and everything had just turned know? on its head. Yeah. Um, yeah. So look, I've started, we started to look at, um, at um, alternative medications also um, and we've been to see somebody so you know along with chemotherapy and radiation there's also alternative stuff that we're looking at and we've started to to use so we just have to see how that goes you know you yeah. can update on the podcast every week yeah, yeah, yeah. see how you're, you're going yeah, I could tell you a few funny stories so far but look I think we'll keep that for down the road because you know I have to be careful what I say <laughs> as well um, but yeah so that's kind of my update Um, it's where we're at going forward with the podcast I don't want to be a misery misery guts because that's not me mm-hmm. Um, you know we will get other guests on and all of that but I will keep people updated about if there's any changes you know like until I have the radiation I don't know next steps for chemotherapy you're having the radiation this week I'm I'm having I'm meeting them on Tuesday morning at quarter ten and then an hour later I'll have my scan mm. that scan is to see what's there and what the, it's a planning scan mm. so it's a CT scan and then they poke where they're going the tattoo where they're going to blast mm. and then i reckon i'll have to go away and wait a few days for the results and they probably want me in the following week monday tuesday wednesday tuesday friday but i've got a wedding on the friday so that week 
is a no-no. Yeah. Um, it'll probably be the following week. Then I'll do that week of radiation. Then I'll ring my oncology nurse and then back to the drawing board for chemotherapy. Grand. And we'll obviously keep updating on the podcast. And, yeah. and, um, and, I'm, and on top of that, I'm doing a 12-week alternative medication program also. Okay. So they're running alongside each other, and I've told oncology about that, so I'm not hiding anything. You know, they know that I'm I'm doing alternative stuff to try. It's a twelve week program, and at the end of the twelve weeks, we'll see. Okay. Because yeah. I have to do what I have to do to stay alive. You know. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. So that's really all of the misery over the last few weeks. But then, look, listen. You know, there's been lots of good as well, like, I suppose. Yeah, 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 like there is. There's like, I mean, we've, we went to Sligo, we went to Wexford, we had a really nice summer. Um, kids are back in school. I'm struggling a bit with the school run. It's a lot up and down, up and down, you know, because I've got three of them in school. Struggling a little bit with that. Look, it could be worse. It's fine. Um, and the kids are starting to talk about Christmas already. Oh, yeah, it's I'm like, what? So um, Halloween as well. Um, the year has gone so fast. Like. Oh my God, like I'm nine months off the cigarettes. Oh yeah, nine you're still off them, yeah. yeah. That's really good though. Because obviously I have this theory that I smoke like a train from a first, and people don't like it to hear this, right? But I smoke like a train from my first six chemos back last year. And absolutely fine. Liver, lungs were always clear. Gave up smoking in January. By May, I had lesions on my lung, on my lungs. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I never know was giving up smoke and what caused me to have lesions on my lungs. Yeah. Or were they going to go there anyway? Mm-hmm. Because the travel is bowel, liver, lungs. That's the way it flows. Cancer flows with bowel cancer. I don't know, and I'll never know. But uh, yeah, I'd love a smoke, but I won't. Do you still get the Not as, no, not as bad. Like even this week, this week was the, probably the toughest week I've had for a long time with the funeral and all of that. And I probably didn't even, didn't even think about it. But today I did. Mm. Like this morning I was like, I can love a cigarette. But I know I won't. I know I won't. So I, you definitely get strong. And it doesn't even, like I just walk away from people and it doesn't even bother me like... But that's impressive. Nine months for someone that smoked for how many years? Yeah, years. Since you're a teenager. No, no, what, no, what, what frustrates me is Carl. I'd be like, "This smell of smoke off you, Carl." And if he gets into bed, get out of bed, get out and brush your teeth, and wash your hands. I can smell it off you. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, that's really it. I don't think there's anything else out, is there? No, I think that's it. First episode done. And like going forward, we are going to have more people on. Yeah, of course. Obviously, people with that have different types of cancer but also it'd be interesting to, for us to get some people on that actually work in that field or yeah um that it's, are helping in terms of research or something like that so yeah so yeah you know and, and and that's something that we can explore um and you know to be honest i think i was quite i didn't really know much about clinical trials and then i've met these ladies and we're talking about all of this stuff and it'd be good to to get to talk to someone about all of that because to me it's a minefield and I don't know whether my brain is big enough for all you know so it would be good to have others on professionals as well Um, that's something we could definitely look at going forward and hopefully we'll have someone on next week yeah definitely Um, and if if there is anyone listening that wants to come on wants to talk about you don't even have even if you knew someone that had cancer and your experience with their journey anything like that 
we'd love to hear from yeah. you because it'd be great. And your experience of the whole oncology system, mm. the health system, you know, like we know it's not oncology's fault that we wait four hours to see an oncologist before we have chemo or we get five minutes with an oncologist. But someone has to take responsibility for that. Mm. So what are other people's experiences of the system? Or am I just one of the unlucky fuckers who just <laughs> never gets a break, you know? So th- those would be interesting to hear too. Yeah, you know? those stories. Um, um, yeah, and as always, like you can find us on all our social medias and stuff like that and get in touch because we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And yeah, we'll chat to you next week then. Bye. Bye-bye.